The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Look with compassion upon the heartfelt desires of your servants, and purify our disordered affections, that we may behold your eternal glory in the face of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. We want to invite any children that are participating in our children's ministry today, come on up. We'd love to say a prayer for you and send you out with our blessings. All right, we got the O'Neill children here ready to be prayed for. All right, come on up, guys. Wonderful. Let's pray. And again, if you'd like to, you can stretch out your hands towards the kids as we pray for them, just as a way to show we are praying blessings upon them. Father, we do thank you um, for um, these children, and we do pray, Lord, um, that they would know your blessing. They would know how valuable um, they are to you, that you are a Father um, who desires to give them your very kingdom. And Lord, um, uh, teach them this, we pray. Build them up in this reality. Bless all those who teach and shepherd them this morning, we ask. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys. We'll continue with our readings. A reading from Leviticus. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you get gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall remain with you until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you go to judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Please stand for Psalm 67. As you're doing that, I'll point out that uh, Psalm 67 is, as a church, we are trying to memorize this for Lent. So this is a great little booster for you as we'll, we'll be saying this. Let's say this uh, together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. 
Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. may be seated. A reading from, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves, excuse me, know how we ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy but warn him as a brother. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to be together in this place. We're thankful, Lord, um, that uh, we can uh, bear the name of your body, Lord. May we continue um, to honor you in all that we do. Lord, give us um, conviction from your spirit where we need conviction. Give us um, hope. Give us um, inspiration, Lord, we pray. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. So we're uh, in a series on the Ten Commandments, and today we have come to the Eighth Commandment, Do Not Steal. Um, and as I begin, I want to just invite you to um, think about a moment um, uh, when something was stolen from you. I'm asking that, guessing that most of you at some point have experienced something being stolen from you. If you just absolutely haven't, then I'd invite you to think of a moment that you talked with someone else who had something stolen um, from them. I'm sure you've experienced that. And just the process and try to remember as you think about that moment, maybe it was something big, maybe it was something relatively small that was taken from you, but just to kind of recall, like, how did you feel? What were the emotions um, that got stirred up? What were the things that you had to process as this thing was taken from you? A number of years ago when my kids uh, were much younger, um, someone uh, broke into our house. We actually couldn't figure out how they got in. We thought we had locked the doors, but somehow they got into our home and they stole things from our home, but only a few things and kind of strange things. Um, We had a a Wii game system, if you remember um, the Wii. It was an older one. They weren't making games for it anymore, but that was stolen. Um, A couple jars of change uh, from my kids' dressers was stolen and two children's backpacks were stolen. Um, and that was it. And so when we came home and we were looking around, we were like, what strange things to steal? We were looking at our computer um, there in a prominent place in our living room. We were thinking, I wonder why they chose the Wii over this computer. Um, we were looking at our adult backpacks. And we were like, these are much nicer than the children's backpacks. Uh, we were looking at my wife's jewelry, which isn't fancy, uh, but worth more than some jars of change. Um, and so it was kind of comical. We were kind of like, well, you know, not too many things taken, and yet it was also really disturbing, right? I'm sure you all have experienced that or know people experienced that. We were just so like, ugh, like they came into our house and our children were upset and for days they were kind of scared and needed to process so someone um, that took their stuff and they kind of had to figure out like, why would someone take ch- change from a child? Like even as a child, you know, like that's just bad. Like, come on, like that's change I, I saved and you've stolen it uh, from me. Now, of course, we can have tangible, right, physical things stolen from us, but I'm sure all of us have also experienced um, un- intangible, but perhaps even more important, right, even more valuable things stolen from us, right? Someone can steal our reputation, right? They can, in a sense, steal our good name by slandering us, or perhaps speaking evil against us in some way. 
Right? We can perhaps have a friendship um, stolen. Maybe we could have a job, in a sense, stolen from us. Right? We may have an idea, um, uh, something that we came up with, that we shared with others, um, that was, in a sense, stolen, and someone else uh, took credit for it. So when we consider this commandment, do not steal, right, there are all sorts of things that this commandment speaks to. There are all sorts of ways, right? It warns against taking, against robbery, against stealing from another. Right? If we, um, in the series we've been seeking to just define, what does this even mean? I think this is really a very simple one to define, right? To steal is to take something that's not yours. I think we need that simple definition because I feel like in this commandment, there are lots of excuses we can come up with, right, depending on our situation, right, to make it okay to steal, right? I mean, they won't notice if I steal it, right? I'm stealing from a big corporation, right, and they won't be affected by the things I steal from them or the small little thing I steal from them. I'm stealing perhaps from a person, maybe not a tangible thing, but I'm stealing something from them, and they're such an awful person that it's okay for me to steal this from them, right? Maybe we kind of fall into the, everybody does it, right? Like, yeah, technically it's stealing, but everyone steals in this type of situation. So again, to, to consider and to feel the weight of, to take something that doesn't belong to us, that is not ours to take. But today, rather than thinking through all the ways we can steal things, as much as that may sound appealing, like let's just figure out all the ways we can feel bad about this or make others feel bad, I want to actually instead consider how does this commandment actually call us to the positive, right? What does it call us to honor? And the Lord warning us not to steal, again, what are we called to honor? And the first thing I would say is that we are called to honor stewardship, right? God has entrusted to us a care and a management of resources that he's given us. When we talk about stewardship, basically we mean technically we're not owners of anything. Sometimes we'll use in communion the liturgy that comes from the Anglican Church in Kenya. And it speaks as God as the owner of all things. That's what it means to value stewardship is to say God owns everything and we are his stewards. We are called to manage his resources. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you have not been given? What do you have that you have not received? And the answer is nothing. Everything we have We've received. It's a gift from God. Now, stewardship does not mean, hey, everything belongs to God, therefore I can take something. It's not theirs anyway, right? Maybe this feels like, hey, that's a reason to steal, right? It's all God's anyway. No, right? I mean, it's actually honoring. God has entrusted certain things to certain people. That is God's job. He has distributed his gifts as he has desired, and we are to honor that, right? If a father um, or a mother right, gives their child a bicycle, right, and then that bicycle is stolen, Right, how is that parent going to feel? Are they going to say, you know, it's not mine anymore. I gave it to my kid. It's their problem, right? It's not my problem. Right? No, right? They're going to feel like they, something was stolen from them. In a sense, something was stolen from them. Right? They gave a gift to show their love for that child, to show actually their value for that child, to communicate to that child, right, I trust you with this gift. I trust you to use it well. Perhaps actually they gave that gift to build that child up, right, for that child to learn responsibility. Perhaps that gift was given so they could ride that bike to a job and to make money. There's all sorts of things in the giving of a gift. There's all sorts of things that we receive when we receive a gift. And to take from another person is basically to take from them a gift that was given to them by God. As we think about a parent who's indignant, right, that something was taken from their child, right, this is the Lord, right, who we steal from, basically, when we steal from another, Right? It just shows, right? We can, you know, as we look at the Ten Commandments, we often break them up, honor God, honor others, right? Love God, love your neighbor, which is a right way to view the commandments, 
right? But we should be careful not to too, you know, um, uh, sort of radically separate loving God from loving your neighbor. Because again, as we love our neighbor, we're honoring God. As we honor God, we're honoring our neighbor. And so to value stewardship is to say we honor God by honoring what he has given to others. If you um, uh, look at our um, gospel reading, the beautiful reading from Luke, right, you have um, just such a clear picture of how much God honors people, right, how much he cares for people. So Jesus says, right, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will put on. Is Jesus saying that because he's saying, look, nothing bad will happen to you. Right? If you trust in me, nothing terrible, there will be no suffering you'll ever experience. Right? That's not what he's saying. Right? We know that's not what he's saying because at other points he specifically says you're going to experience suffering. Right? He's honest with his disciples. He's honest with his people. He tells them sometimes you may experience suffering because you're one of my disciples. But what he's saying so very clearly in this passage is look how much God the Father values you. Right? Look how important you are to the Lord. Right? In light of his value for you, you don't have to be anxious. Yeah, maybe you will experience hardship, but you'll never experience the Lord forsaking you. You'll never experience him forgetting you. He will be with you no matter what. And there are actually treasures stored up in heaven for you. You may lose some of your treasures here on earth, but the eternal treasures you will never lose. Right? That's the value that the Lord has for you. Right? Just read a couple of places. Right? End of verse 24. How much more value are you than the birds? Right, and then we get over to um, verse 32. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is how much God honors you. And as we listen to this passage, as we hear the words of Jesus, yes, we should receive them. Right? We should say, yes, this is for me. This is how much I'm honored. Right? The Lord knows every hair of my head and values me. But also then as we hear this passage, we can look around and we can say, oh, this isn't just for me. Right? These are Jesus' words for anyone that receives them, right? This is God's value for all people, right? And that's right at the heart of this passage. Receive it for ourselves, but also look around and say, that's how much others are valued. And how dare I take something from them that the Lord has given them, right? How dare I not honor, right, the way in the Lord has called them to steward what he's given them, right? That's, um, again, part of uh, provide, uh, applying this, right? And we may say, you know, yeah, but they're not stewarding well, but the Lord has given them. They're not managing it well. Actually, I can manage it much better, right? I could use that more than they're using. They're not using it anyway, right? How often do we hear that, right, in regards to taking something from someone else? They don't even really value it. But you can see, actually, when we consider how much the Lord values us, how in that we're really saying, I get to be God, right? I get to be the one who decides how gifts are distributed. That's up to me. Whereas, again, the scriptures are very clear. No, that's the Lord's job. Now, in saying this, we're not saying that we can't speak against, we can't stand against the wrong uses of resources. Actually, to value stewardship is to say when we see stewardship not valued, it's worthwhile to speak up, right? When those, again, with great power or even those with little power, right, use what the Lord has given them in order to harm others and to hurt others, right? We see very clearly scripturally we can say no, right? That's injustice, right? We are to use rightly what's given to us. But again, that's to honor stewardship as opposed to taking something from someone else that is not ours to take is actually to dishonor um, stewardship. Also, it's honoring stewardship when we say what we've been given is for us to share, right? It's not dishonoring stewardship to say, hey, if you've been given things by the Lord, the Lord actually wants you to share them. 
So that's the second thing we can say, right? We are called to honor stewardship. We are to honor those in need. We are to honor the poor. I believe this is behind um, this commandment, right? If do not murder affirms life is valuable, right? Life is a gift and it's precious, right? If do not commit adultery, right, affirms that sexual intimacy in marriage is a gift, right? And relationships are a gift and intimacy is a gift, right? Then do not steal affirms it is good to have resources to manage, right? It's good to be given things, to be provided for. It's good to have food to eat. It's good to have clothing to wear, And so we can say an application then of this commandment is when we see those without those resources, we're to provide for them. We're to use what God has given us and to share it with others, right? It's to do not take, but inherent in that is give. Give generously. I just hear a few verses about the Lord's heart for the poor. And again, these are just a few. I think it's important to hear these and soak these in. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And the Lord will repay him for his deed. That's from Proverbs. Another one from Proverbs. I could have done all Proverbs, but I just limited myself to two. Whoever shuts their ears to the crook, excuse me, to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. And then we get to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Or first John. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech only, but with actions and in truth. Again, we could just go on and on reading all the verses. I referenced that last week that deal with you know, caring for the poor, sharing what we have to care for those in need. Matter of fact, when you read these verses in one sense, I was struck, it's actually kind of surprising that when the Lord gives his law and gives the Ten Commandments, that there's not a commandment that specifically says care for the poor, right? I mean, when we read the scriptures, we have every reason to think that should be there. But then when we consider the Ten Commandments, we realize, oh, it's inherent in all the commandments, right? To love the Lord our God who says, right, if you mistreat the poor, basically you are mistreating me. If you mistreat the poor, you will have to answer to me, then to honor him is to honor those in need. Right? We see that, again, in all the commandments. Treat others as people made in the image of God. Treat others as those who are valuable. So, of course, if we see others who are in need, how can our heart not break for them? How can we not seek um, to act um, with compassion and to reach out, right? It's a natural outcome of um, those, those commandments, right? And so, again, even in um, our Luke reading, right, even as Jesus is saying, do not be anxious, right, God will provide for you, it's pretty striking that at the end, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy, right? We may read that and say, wait a second, I thought you were telling me not to be anxious, and now you're telling me to sell your possessions and give to the needy. That makes me anxious, right? And Jesus is saying, no, that's actually the, the, the cure, in a sense, for anxiety, right? That's a way to live in the Lord's provision, actually, to say, God has provided so abundantly for me, I so trust the Lord that I can even sell possessions to help out those in need. Right, let's look at our Leviticus passage, just the, the wonderful um, uh, various ways that the Lord shows his heart of compassion, that he shows his care for the poor um, in this. Right? We have right there at the beginning uh, the practice of gleaning. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. This is basically like an ancient food bank, right? This is the way that God was saying, I want to make sure those who are in need, those who are hungry, are provided for with food. Um, If you were with us, not this Advent, but the Advent before, Advent 2021, we did a series on the book of Ruth, 
right? In the book of Ruth, you get to see firsthand how the Lord meets needs through this commandment, through this law, right? Because Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, come into um, Jerusalem, right? They have um, no resources, right? They are poor, right? They've, men that were providing for them have died. Um, and so what does Ruth do? She goes and gleans. She goes and gathers um, from Boaz's um, harvest and is provided for, right? She's both poor and a sojourner, and the Lord provides for her in that way, right? Through um, this care for the poor. Right? You see it um, in verse 13, the second part of verse 13. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Well, we may read that and think, really? Like, that's that big of a deal that made it into the law, right? That's in Scripture, right? That you need to pay someone that night rather than waiting till the next morning. Right? But think about that. I mean, think about the care that that shows, right? Does that worker, right, have, you know, money to buy dinner that night? Or does the rent due that evening? Are they actually going to be anxious? Is this person going to pay me, right? I, I finished the job and they didn't pay me. They said they'll pay me tomorrow. Now I'm going to sleep in anxiety, wondering, right? Maybe you've experienced that before where you've done a job. You've sent in an invoice and weeks have gone by and you haven't heard and you've thought, like, are they even going to pay me, right? Am I going to have to deal with, like, making sure they pay me for what I did? Again, the Lord cares about the hired worker, right? He cares about their anxiety and he's saying, you can do something to lessen their anxiety. You can do something um, to care, for those in need, right? We may be surprised, then we get to verse 15, you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. Right? We may be saying, well, wait a second, I thought the scriptures were saying be partial to the poor. But you hear in that, actually, the Lord is saying, I want you to treat everyone with righteousness. I want you to treat everyone with honor and respect. And so if you say, oh, I'll, I'll mistreat the rich in order to care for the poor, no, that's not right either, right? You are to show impartiality. You're to care for everyone, to honor everyone. I'm actually struck by this verse how, you know, in the course of a life, many of us may experience times where we have very little resources and other times where we have more resources. I was listening to a comedian uh, recently. He was talking about how he, as an oldest child, he grew up in uh, a family where his parents were poor. But he's like, my youngest sibling, actually, she grew up with rich parents. He's like, he was talking about how unfair it was. He's like, you know, they were just starting off when I was a child. By the time my you know, youngest sister was born, they had all this disposable income, right? She had a whole different growing up. And it just actually struck me. It's like, yeah, that's life, actually. And the scriptures remind us of that. Right? At times, actually, you may be the one in need. Right? We've experienced that at church. At times, we've had a, we have a benevolence fund. At times, we've helped out those who actually, years later, then give into that benevolence fund, right? Are giving generously to support others. And the Lord is saying all people deserve honor, right? There's a humility in this. Be aware of your own circumstances and your own needs, even as you share and give uh, to others. And finally, um, look at verse 14. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, right? What does it mean to curse the deaf, right? Well, basically, you're cursing someone who doesn't hear it, right? You can curse the deaf, and they won't know that they were cursed, what does it mean to put a stumbling block in front of the blind, right? Well, they won't know who did that. They won't see you. There's cruelty, right? I mean, that the Lord is speaking against, but he's making it very clear, I will see you, right? I see the least of these, right? I see the ones that maybe you think I can mistreat them. I can mistreat the poor. I can mistreat the disabled. Nobody will see, and the Lord is saying, I see them. And so honor, right, those in need. Be generous. Avoid cruelty because the Lord sees and so we have that call, again, to honor those in need, to honor stewardship. But finally, I believe in this commandment, do not steal, is honor vocation, honor work. Right? There's a, a verse in Ephesians, um, 
Ephesians 4. This says this, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Once again, right, you see God's heart in that. Do not steal, right? Don't, don't steal. Tell the thief, don't steal, right? Give to those in need, but right in the middle is let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, right? It's good to work, right? Work is a gift, right? God has provided that. Right? I think our thinking is often, okay, we have to work in order to provide for ourselves. Right? I actually think the biblical vision is right, work is one of the ways God provides for us. That is a gift that the Lord gives us. Right? I would actually say when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all other things will be added unto you, right? I mean, that certainly means prayer. Right? When we think, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? To, to pray, to read the scriptures, to worship, right? to confess our sins, all those things. I think one of the ways we seek first the kingdom is to do the work God has called us to do, right? That's honoring, right? His kingdom and his kingdom work. What has God called me to? What are the resources God has given me? I can honor him through that. I can seek his kingdom, right? We need to be clear, right, that, that we don't sort of under-spiritualize the importance of work. Right? In this series, we've gone again and again back to Genesis 1 and 2. It's actually been kind of a cool thing about this series as different people have been preaching how much we go back to creation. And what do we see, right? When we open the Bible and begin in Genesis 1, what do we see God doing? He's working, right? It's the first thing we see God doing in the Scriptures. And He's working and He's enjoying His work, right? He's actually creating things and saying, this is good. Right? Genesis 2, the very beginning of Genesis 2, it says, and God finished His work, right? It's good work that the Lord does. And He creates Adam and Eve and He puts them in the garden. And what do they do in the garden? Right? They nap all day, right? They eat grapes, the animals come and bring them food, right? Because they can't work, right? It's not a fallen world yet. Of course they don't work. No, they do work, right? It says in Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And then the creation of Eve, it says, I will make a helper fit for him, right? Someone to work alongside of him, a helper. And take note, right? Helper is a term that God uses repeatedly in the scriptures about himself, Right? And so that is a, a great title to have, to be a helper, to be called to work. So that's a gift, right? That's part of honoring. Do not steal. Work, right? You do the work that God has called you to. And again, in our First Thessalonians passage, the Lord, our Second Thessalonians, I'm sorry, passage um, through um, the Apostle Paul, basically we're warned anyway that maybe we spiritualize idleness, that we can sort of spiritualize not working. What apparently was happening, as best as we can tell in the Thessalonian church at that time, is that some had so um, embraced the, the truth, which is true, that Jesus is coming soon, that we are called to live in expectation that Jesus could return any moment, and they basically said, we don't have to work, right? Jesus is coming any day now. It's like, so hey, we're done working. And so they had become busybodies, right? The sense we get is actually, and they're not working, their idleness, they were affecting other people's work, right? And so they were talking to Paul and saying, these people have stopped working because they, you know, are so sure that Jesus is coming any moment, um, and it's affecting all of us. And Paul is not subtle here, is he? Right? I mean, he's really, you know, worked up, um, as it were, of telling them, you need to work, right? You, you need to work. As a matter of fact, when we came to you as missionaries, as those who were helping start this church, we had every reason to say, we should just depend on your support, and they rightly did support him. But he's saying, even we did work, right? Even we modeled to you, as we're there, missionaries starting this church, there's also toil and labor we can do, and you need to imitate that. Verse 10. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. First of all, let me just say, this is a great verse to quote when your kids have to do chores, right? It's one of my favorites, right? If you don't work, you don't eat. Um, but we should also note about this verse, he is not saying, don't care for the poor, right? That would be 
you know, contradicting other things that he says and Jesus says and the whole scripture is saying. He is saying, this is a gift God's given you. He's given you some sort of calling, right? He's given you some ability to work. Not everyone, right? You know, some actually aren't able to work even though they would like to, right? And, of course, God's given us the calling to rest, right? Another one of his commandments. It's very important that we read all these in context with one another. We're called to work and we're called to rest. But work is good. And again, one, you know, implication of this, and let me just note, right, if you look at our values um, uh, there in the front of our bulletin, one of our values is celebrate vocation, right? That's how much we believe in this, right, and how much we think at times, unfortunately, the church hasn't celebrated vocation. It hasn't celebrated, right, the good of work, of various work um, that we're called to. But it's good to think through, again, how can I very tangibly celebrate vocation? How can I honor the vocation of others? Right, where it's our place, actually, to make sure those that we have perhaps some sort of authority over are being paid good wages, right? That's honoring the Lord. That's honoring um, this calling, right? Tipping generously, I would say, right, is honoring this calling. To acknowledge maybe those who are in vocations that are often unseen, that are not valued, even though they are very valuable, is a way that we can honor this vocation. So, yes, let's take this for our own work, right? It's good to work. Right? But I think it's good to ask, as we consider this commandment, do not steal, to say, how can I actually help others right, um, resist the temptation to break this commandment? What can I actually do? Right? Not that anybody has an excuse to break this commandment. But what can I do to help those who are perhaps struggling with this? So let's give thanks. Right? We have a Father from whom every good and perfect gift comes, that He has poured out His gifts um, and His provision upon us. Let's receive that and ask the Lord, how can I share out of this? How can I actually not take but give generously? Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that we would have hearts to receive, to see and to receive all that you've given us. First and foremost, Lord, to just receive um, uh, your love for us, your care, your value for us. And Lord, I pray that as we receive, we would be those who give Lord, I pray that you'd show each one of us ways in which, out of receiving from you, you're calling us to give. In this season where the church has um, traditionally set apart uh, a special um, emphasis on giving and on financial gifts and caring for others, Lord, I pray again for each one of us that you'd stir us and move us, Lord. We give you thanks and praise, and we offer all these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen.